we all make mistakes, decisions that we regret, things we'd like to do over, like not buying Bitcoin when you first heard about it at $1. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. At times, therapy has helped me and my loved ones in many ways. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major traumas. With the right guide, you can discover effective strategies to minimize distractions and truly connect with your needs, setting the stage for a more balanced life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge take a moment visit betterhelp.com slash gold today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash gold in my early days i faced a pivotal moment in my career instead of following the herd into traditional finance i charted my own course despite skepticism i founded my investment firm driven by a belief in economic truth and fiscal responsibility through perseverance i established myself as a leading voice in finance proving that sometimes blazing your own path is the best way to succeed to get what you want sometimes you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail that's what harry's did seeing people tricked by expensive razors harry's took a stand Instead of pricey options, they offer high-quality razors at a fraction of the cost. That's why when it comes to grooming my face, I use Harry's. Harry's understands the value of quality without breaking the bank. Their razors provide a smooth shave every time, and their shaving gel leaves my skin feeling refreshed and moisturized. So don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com gold. That's harris.com slash gold for a $3 trial set. The Peter Schiff Show. Well, it's official. The longest bull market in U.S. history is now officially over. We have entered bear markets. The S&P and the Dow Jones are now down better than 20% from their highs. The uh, NASDAQ is down better than 22%. Uh, The Russell 2000 down better than 26%. I think the transport's maybe 28%. And of course, uh, financials are doing even worse than that. The uh, regional banking index I spoke about on yesterday's podcast is now down 53%. From its peak. In fact, we've wiped out the last seven years of gains in the last couple of weeks. In fact, there's another record that we just set with respect to this bear market that just officially began. This is the fastest we have ever gone from record highs to a full fledged bear market. Remember, the Dow, the SP, and the NASDAQ set record highs in February. We've gone from all-time record highs to a bear market in a matter of weeks. That has never happened before. And in fact, you know, Donald Trump was tweeting about the markets when they were at record highs. Remember, he had one tweet where he said, hey, look how much money you're making, 70, 80, 90%. If you're only making 50%, you're doing something wrong, right? He was basically encouraging everybody to just buy more stock right at the top And, you know, it is not a coincidence that the financials are leading the decline now 
just the way they led to decline back in 2008, because this is a financial crisis. We're actually just resuming the financial crisis that started in 2008. It's going to be a while before it ends, but it is going to be a spectacular ending as far as the severity of the ultimate collapse. But, you know, everybody is just as clueless now about the nature of this crisis. You know, I'm watching these anchors on CNBC and one after another, they're reassuring their audience not to worry uh, that this is nothing like 2008, that we don't have to worry about the banks because the banks are really sound now, right? They're in good shape. Uh, it's not like 2008 uh, when the banks had problems, so we don't have to worry. Except these were the exact same anchors who in 2008 were saying that we didn't have to worry about the banks, that the banks were in great shape. None of these guys were worried about the banks until a few of them went bankrupt. I mean, I remember being on this show. Now, this wasn't CNBC. This was Fox News. But I was warning about the financials and how there was all these losses that were coming. And they were saying, we love the financials. You know, uh, Ben Stein was, well, you know, I particularly like Merrill Lynch, which, of course, went on basically to go bankrupt. And they, you know, they were bought out by Bank of America. Then there was a woman on there that was like, well, I want to buy Goldman Sachs. It's like buying Dolce Gabbana on sale. Uh, all these things collapsed. Nobody understood this. When the financials first started going down in 2008, they weren't worried. Remember, Jim Cramer was saying, don't worry about Bear Stearns. Don't take your money out of Bear, right? It went on to go bankrupt. So none of these guys were worried when the financial crisis began. Now the same people are saying, we don't have to worry because the banks are in good shape. The banks are in lousy shape. That's why they are tanking because they're holding all of this bad paper. I mean, look at what's going on. You know, look at Boeing today. Boeing was the biggest drop in the Dow. I think it was down like, what, 18%. And it's now down, what, like 52% from its 52-week high. Why is Boeing crashing? The problem is they have a lot of debt, right? And now they have all kinds of other liabilities and their customers, the airlines, are having a lot of problems. Uh, and it's not just the airlines. I mean, everybody is loaded up with debt. As I've been saying, that is the problem. If we had a viable economy that wasn't so levered up, we could weather the coronavirus. We can handle it. Businesses can handle it. Households can handle it. But the fact of the matter is they can't. This is a debt crisis, just like the one that we had in 2008. Now, in 2008, the pin was falling real estate prices, right? That's what happened. Real estate prices that nobody thought could go down finally went down. And I had been warning people for years that real estate prices were going to drop, but nobody believed me. But what happened is when they started to drop, that's when the loans started to default because a lot of the subprime borrowers who had put nothing down and who had bought homes that they couldn't afford, when prices went down, which was not what they expected. They thought they were gonna go up, but when prices went down and they lost their equity, they had no incentive to make their mortgage payments. So they sent in the keys, right, instead of a check. And so the problem was lower housing prices that nobody saw coming uh, pricked the credit bubble. But once the bubble was pricked, 
a lot of air came out. And if you also remember that nobody was worried about that when it happened. They said, oh, it's contained, it's not a big deal, it's just subprime, and then it's just housing, the rest of the economy is fine. They didn't understand the debt dominoes and how knocking down one meant the rest of them were gonna fall. Well, the same thing has happened this time. This time, the pin is the coronavirus. Although this bubble started to deflate without a pin, in fact, the initial pin was the Fed raising interest rates, trying to normalize interest rates, something I knew it could never do. But the air started coming out of the bubble in the fourth quarter of 2018, when we had the biggest drop in the stock market in December since the Great Depression. And that's when the Fed called off the rate hikes. And then they came to the rescue with rate cuts and a return to QE. But when the coronavirus came, that was just another pin. And now the air is coming out even faster than it was before. But the reason that we have to be worried is not about the pin, but about the bubble that that pin helped prick because it's another credit bubble. Because just like uh, lenders were in trouble when homeowners couldn't pay their bills, the lenders are in trouble now when the hotels can't pay their bills or airlines can't pay their bills or retailers can't pay their bills. I mean, there's so many companies that have gotten so levered up because of years and years of artificially low interest rates. Everybody was like, hey, borrow a bunch of money. Why not? It's so cheap, right? You might as well borrow it. And remember what I was saying, that's like saying, hey, there's free heroin out there. We might as well just take it. There's all this free heroin, so don't pass it up, just use it. If, if it's bad, don't take it just because it's cheap. I kept saying that don't go into debt just because the interest rate is cheap because you're going into debt. What happens if you have a problem and you can't pay it off and now you're bankrupt, you know? Or what happens when interest rates eventually start to rise and that is exactly what might happen. Look at the uh, title of the podcast I did yesterday. Did the stimulus just prick the bond bubble? And I said it was very, very interesting that we had a big drop in bond prices and rise in interest rates yesterday. And I speculated that maybe the prior day was the end. It was a blow off top in the mania uh, that has been 40 years in the making in the bond market. But now the prospect of massive fiscal stimulus with payroll tax holidays. And by the way, you know, the government actually collects about 1.3 trillion a year in payroll taxes. So if, you know, if we stop those, I mean, where's that money? Again, that's massive QE there, but they're already printing all this money. They're contemplating massive bailouts for everybody who's in debt, all the companies. This is not just the banks, right? The bailouts that are gonna be required this time are much greater. Because again, we have so much more debt now than we had in 2008. So, so many more companies are going to be in need of bailouts. And of course, we shouldn't have bailed them out in 08. And now we're going to do it again. All those banks that were bailed out in too big in 08 because they were deemed too big to fail. Well, they're all much bigger now because we didn't let them fail. And now it's going to cost even more money to bail them out this time than last time. But again, the problem is all the money that's going to be printed for all these bailouts of corporations, individuals, and governments. I mean, they're talking about, you know, loan guarantees for everybody. How is the government that's the world's biggest debtor going to guarantee anybody else's debt? We, we, we're broke, right? And the bond market might be sensing that because today, 
even though the Dow was down 1,464 points, which was almost a 6% drop. And of course, you know, uh, other indexes like the Russell 2000 down 6.4%, even more, continuing to be the weak spot. Even though you had this big drop in the stock market, you had a big drop in the bond market again. And yields continue to rise. The yield on the 10-year treasury now back up to 0.87, almost 0.9. And the yield on the 30-year is just under 1.4, 1.39. Remember, the yield on the 30-year on Monday got all the way down to 0.83. Uh, and now it's up to almost 1.4. The yield on the 10-year on Monday got all the way down to 0.39, under 0.4, and now it's almost 0.9. That's now more than a double. So that is very interesting and ominous at the same time that we didn't get a flight to quality in bonds, that bonds dropped in the face of a collapsing stock market. So if we're going to get bond prices falling at the same time stocks are falling, that's a double whammy. The triple whammy is when the dollar really starts to fall. Now, it already has been falling, but the dollar was a little bit stronger today, building on some of the gains for yesterday. The dollar index is 96.6, but it is still in a downtrend now, and it is going to start to fall too. As a public person, I am hyper aware of safety and security. Delete me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and it makes sure it stays offline delete me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential id theft doxing and phishing scams sign up and provide delete me with exactly what information you want deleted and their experts will take it from there delete me sends you regular personalized privacy reports showing what information they found where they found it and what they removed delete Delete Me isn't just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information that you don't want on the internet. So take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom gold and use the promo code gold at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeletemecom gold and enter code gold at checkout that's joindeleteme.com slash gold code gold let's talk finance wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot yahoo finance does just that it consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis making it easier to manage your investments let's not beat around the bush you want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. 
That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. So if we get the stock market falling and the dollar falling and bonds falling all at the same time, that's the trifecta of doom. And of course, that's going to send the price of gold through the roof. Gold prices today were actually down about 10, 12 bucks. We're at 1640. We're recovering some of those losses uh, as I'm speaking. So, you know, uh, not down very much. But a lot of people are, are pointing out, hey, Peter, why isn't gold really going up? What's the problem here? Well, you know, you have to go back to 2008 because when that financial crisis started and the stock market started to crash, gold was crashing too. It just crashed less than the stock market. Gold fell from about 1,000 to below 700. So it was a little over a 30% decline as the S&P was down by 50%. So you, you know, lost a lot less in gold, but you, you still lost. Gold is up. So far, since the U.S. market started tanking, the price of gold has gone up, not down. Yes, it hasn't gone way up, but the fact that it's gone up and not down shows you that there's a big difference between what's happening now when this financial crisis is starting and what happened in 2008 when that smaller financial crisis started. The same thing with the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar was on a tear in 2008. Foreign currencies were crashing along with the market. That's not happening. The dollar is actually slightly lower. It's not crashing, but it's not surging like it did in 2008. So it's a very different situation now, and it's going to have a very different ending uh, because this crisis is going to be much worse because we're going to have rising consumer prices and rising interest rates, which is going to result from a a falling dollar uh, now gold stocks actually got hammered today in fact the junior miners the gdxj which i've talked about was actually down by better than 10 percent on the day so a really big drop today which again has got people scared hey why are the gold stocks dropping well this drop is nothing like the decline in 2008 uh, when the S&P was down about 50% in 2008, gold stocks were down about 80%. They went down way more than U.S. stocks. So far during this decline, gold stocks are holding up a lot better than U.S. stocks. So people are losing less money in gold stocks today than they lost in 2008. That is an important difference. But what you also have to remember is when the dust settled in 2008 and the Fed went to quantitative easing and the markets understood what the Fed was doing, gold stocks took off. Gold stocks recovered everything they lost and more. They made new highs, something that the S&P and the NASDAQ didn't do until just recently. By 2011, the U.S. market had barely recovered and gold stocks were at new highs, even though they went down 80%. So my point is, that this time gold stocks are not going to have to dig themselves out of a deep hole before they take off. They're going down less than the stock market. And when the Fed comes with full QE and rates are at zero and you know they repeat what they did back then only on a bigger scale, gold's going to move up. Gold stocks are going to take off and the gains are going to be much bigger. And 
The other significant difference is going to be that there's not going to be an end to this anytime soon. The bull market ended in 2011 with gold at 2000 or gold at 1900. But the reason that that bull market was cut short is because the Fed was able to convince everybody at that time that was initially worried about QE that they didn't have to worry, that it worked, that it was a wild success and that all the Fed had to do was normalize interest rates and shrink its balance sheet back to normal. And since everybody believed the Fed could do that, they started pricing all those rate hikes in and pricing in the quantitative tightening. And so the dollar rose and gold sold off, anticipating the Fed doing something that I knew was impossible for the Fed to do. And I warned about that for years and nobody listened to me. Nobody paid any attention to me. Well, next time, right, because the Fed is going back to zero and will be there very quickly. In fact, I'm surprised that they're not already there, uh, but we will be there soon. Uh, QE is going to be completely off the charts. As I've been saying for years, QE4, or maybe this is going to be QE5, because I think that the uh, WIPO market was QE4. They're going to expand way beyond that. So maybe this one will be QE5. Who knows what they're going to call it. It's QE infinity as far as I'm concerned because it's never going to stop. But I initially said there'd be more QEs than Rocky movies. So maybe I should call it QE5 because I think they had six Rocky movies. Uh, but when they get back to this bigger round of QE, it's going to be bigger than the first uh, three combined. I mean, QE3, they were doing 80 billion a month. This time we'll be doing more than 80 billion a week. Uh, and it's going to be even bigger in the Biden administration, which I'll, I'll talk about again a little later. But when the Fed does come out uh, with its full QE program, that's when these gold stocks are going to rip right? Gold is going to take off. One of these days, it's going to have a big move, a $100 to $200 move. You'll see silver up two bucks, three bucks, maybe $5. Who knows? There may be so many buy order imbalances in these gold stocks that they may not even open, right? They may have to close the market because of all the buy orders. That's why I continue to buy these stocks. I bought more myself again today, put more money into my own a gold fund. I'm not worried about the prices going down because I know how much they're going to go up after they stop going down. So while they're going down, I'm loading up because everything that is happening right now is exactly what I expected. It's happening many, many years after I expected it, but it's what I expected. Everybody else is getting blindsided. The same people who were blindsided by 2008 are just as surprised or will be by what's ultimately going to happen here. And the reason is they didn't understand the problem. I understood the problem before 2008. That's how come I was able to predict 2008 because I knew the mistakes that the Fed made. Most people didn't know that. That's why when the Fed uh, responded the way it did, everybody was convinced that the Fed fixed the problem. I knew they made the problem worse because I understood the problem and they didn't. And so now when we're having to reap the consequences of what the Fed sowed, I understand it because the, the majority of the mainstream still didn't get it. They didn't get it then. They didn't understand the Fed created the financial crisis. And so they don't understand that everything the Fed did after the financial crisis guaranteed that this next financial crisis is going to be worse. You know, in fact, nobody really noticed it with the stock market getting killed, but we got the February CPI 
And we got another rise of just 0.1% year over year uh, consumer prices, according to the government, up 2.3%. But if you strip out food and energy, the so-called core, that was up 2.4% year over year, uh, just above the 2.3% from the prior month and what was expected for this month. But what's the most significant about this? This is the most the core CPI has risen in one year in 12 years. So clearly inflation, even the way the government measures it, is breaking out. And it's breaking out just as the Fed is pouring gasoline on its own fire. The Fed really picked the wrong time to start slashing interest rates and doing quantitative easing just as inflation is breaking out of its slumber, you know, just like these bond market vigilantes, uh, you know, that were left for dead. Uh, it looks like they were just sleeping and they're now starting to worry. Wait a minute. If the biggest debtor nation in the history of the world is going to start guaranteeing everybody's debts and bailing everybody out, where's the money going to come from? It's going to create inflation. And if all of a sudden people go from not worrying about inflation to worrying about inflation, look out. Now, I know a lot of people are like, oh, but look, the coronavirus oil prices have crashed, so we don't have to worry about inflation. First of all, oil is not part of the core, right? That's part of the headline. But the oil price decline is temporary, right? Once all these U.S. shale producers are driving out of business, prices are going way up. And when the dollar starts to fall, when it starts to crash, and you have massive demand outside the United States as foreign currencies appreciate, oil prices are going up. And next time there's not gonna be supply coming out of the United States to help temper the rise. And of course, we're gonna be importing all the oil that we no longer produce. And that's gonna put even more downward pressure on the dollar as our trade deficits get bigger and bigger as we import the oil that we used to produce but can't any longer because the people who are producing it went bankrupt. But beyond oil, the big deal is the supply shock. We're not gonna have the goods. We're gonna have fewer goods being produced and therefore being imported. You know, after we get over some of these going out of business sales or maybe some of the airlines are slashing their prices, sure. But once they start shutting down the flights when they mothball the planes uh, because they can't afford to keep them in the air, we're gonna have a big decline in capacity, not just in the goods sector, but in the service sector. So prices are going to go way up. This is just the beginning of the surge in inflation. The bond market maybe is gutting a whiff of it, but believe me, the stench is gonna get really, really bad. And now just switching gears a little bit to politics. So as I thought, Biden pretty much swept the primaries that we had last night and pretty much has an insurmountable delegate lead. Uh, For whatever reason, Sanders hasn't dropped out of the race. But if you look at the betting markets, they're now saying that Hillary Clinton has a better chance of getting the Democratic nomination uh, than Bernie Sanders. And Hillary's not even running. Uh, So Biden is the nominee, which means Biden is the next president of the United States. And I know a lot of people have been in denial. They've been saying, Peter, Biden can't win. Trump's going to win. Biden can't lose. Trump can't win. Trump is going to have the same problem getting reelected that John McCain had getting elected. The 2008 financial crisis happened in an election year, except it was the second 
uh, term of Bush, so he couldn't run for re-election. So John McCain was running for four more years of Bush. And nobody wanted that because the last year stunk because we had a financial crisis. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, this financial crisis of 2020 is happening in an election year. It's the last year of Trump's first term. So Trump is running for a second term and he has no chance of winning that term. It's going to go to Biden and he has nobody to blame but himself, although maybe all the other Republican cheerleaders who jumped on the Trump train and pretended that everything was great. And just as I was warning Larry Kudlow, when he used to have me on his show, when I used to be a regular on CNBC, and Art Laffer was there, and Steve Moore was there, good guys, uh, Republicans, who were talking about how great the economy was under Bush, I kept saying, you guys are wrong, this is a bubble, we're headed for a crisis, there's going to be a crash, and now we're going to get blamed. You guys are cheerleading a phony economy just because as a Republican president, you shouldn't pretend that the economy is sound when it's not because it's going to go back to bite you. Well, the same thing has happened again, except Larry Kudlow isn't uh, in the stands watching. He's on the field playing. He's in the administration saying the same nonsense now that he was saying then the Republicans are going to be even more discredited during this crisis than they were in the last The free market is going to get the blame in an even bigger way than it did before. Tax cuts, deregulation. Biden's going to be able to coast into the White House. The campaign slogan is exactly what I said uh, it would be. It's basically Trump inherited a great economy from Obama. And just like everything else he's inherited, he squandered it. Right. Just like Bush wrecked the economy. Uh, Obama saved it and then Trump wrecked it again with tax cuts for the rich and deregulation and all the people who voted for Trump because he promised to make their lives better because he spoke the truth about how lousy the economy is. Well, the economy is even worse now. Those people are even in worse condition. Now, sure, Trump is going to try to blame it on the Fed. He's going to try to blame it on the coronavirus, but it's not going to matter because the voters are going to blame him. That's what voters do. He's at the helm of the ship when it hits the iceberg. So it's his fault. And he made a bigger mistake of claiming credit and ownership of this bubble by telling us we have the greatest economy in the history of the world. Well, if we really did have the greatest economy in the history of the world, uh, this coronavirus wouldn't have caused another financial crisis. The reason we had a financial crisis is because we didn't have a great economy. We had a great bubble. And all that's happening now is the air is coming out of it. So Biden is going to win, and that is not even factored into the markets. I mean, wait till the markets have to accept this reality, because a lot of the gains that are currently in the market are based on lower corporate tax rates. Well, where are tax rates going to go in a Biden administration? They're going to go way up. They'll probably be higher than they were uh, than when Trump cut them. 
But it's not just corporate taxes going up. The marginal tax rate is going to go up on income. I bet they raise taxes on capital gains and dividends. They're probably going to raise the payroll tax on Social Security uh, to 100% of your income. We have massive tax hikes coming, massive increases in regulation, because, right, they're going to claim that the reason that all these companies are going bankrupt is because there wasn't enough regulation. So we need more government regulation. The Fed is not going to accept the the responsibility for this. Uh, So we're going to have all this regulation, which is terrible for the economy and terrible for the stock market. So this bear market is not over, right? It's just getting started, right? It's now officially a bear market. But of course, you know, everybody who says initially, oh, it's just a correction, don't worry about it. As I've said, all bear markets start out as corrections. You just don't realize you're in a bear market until we officially get there. And then by the time we get there, They say, oh, it's too late to sell. You can't sell now uh, because we're down 20%. Well, you know what? Bear markets can go down 50%. They can go down 60%. And this one will unless the Federal Reserve comes with a big enough bazooka if they destroy enough value of the U.S. dollar, which they very easily could do. Under those circumstances, then maybe this bear market will be cut short in nominal terms. But in real terms, this is going to be the worst bear market we've ever had. It'll be worse than the 1930s. It's going to be worse uh, than the one that we had in the 1970s in terms of how much value the U.S. stock market loses, not in terms of dollars, but in terms of an ounce of gold. As I've been saying, that's going to be the last safe haven left standing when people realize that there is no safety in U.S. treasuries and that all fiat currencies are flawed. It's just the question of which one is flawed the most. You know, and for a while, people have been saying, well, the U.S. is the dirtiest or the cleanest uh, shirt in the hamper. Uh, Well, the reality is we're the dirtiest shirt, but we're not the only dirty shirt. Uh, More and more people are going to be moving into gold. Central banks are going to re-monetize gold. And the price of gold is going to go ballistic. And the price of gold stocks is going to go even higher. So in the meantime, don't be nervous that these stocks are going down. Be glad that you have the opportunity to buy even more, to have an even bigger position, right? To put more money into a pot in a hand that you know that you are going to win. And finally, I want to kind of talk about an angle on the coronavirus that I really haven't seen discussed anywhere. And kind of the reason that I even thought about it is I was talking to a friend of mine uh, here in Puerto Rico who uh, was, you know, on the board of a school uh, that decided to close. And now a lot more schools are closing. I just got a text from my son that the public schools in Weston are now closing uh, because of the coronavirus. This guy was on the board of a private school and they had a special meeting to decide to close the school. And the main reason that they wanted to close it was not you know, about worrying about uh, the coronavirus or people catching it. It was their concern about lawsuits. What they were worried about is if they didn't close down when some other schools were closing down, and if they didn't close down and then somebody got sick, that they would be sued for not taking the appropriate precautions. And then I started to think about this throughout the entire economy, right? You have all these companies that don't want to be sued. Imagine uh, every company being held liable for everybody who catches the coronavirus by not shutting down, right? Because if you're an employer now in America, if anything goes wrong, you get sued, right? If, if, if one of your workers harasses another worker, the other worker who does the harassing doesn't get sued, you get sued. 
And I'm sure if somebody catches the coronavirus at work, they're going to sue their employer. So all these employers now have to take absurd and probably unnecessary precautions to limit their potential liability. And a lot of that could be closing down or having people work from home. Uh, but a, a lot of companies, and this is going to go on throughout the economy, are now going to be more afraid of the legal ramifications of not doing enough to protect people from getting the coronavirus. So they're going to do more than enough, right? They're going to overcompensate because they have to show all the things that they did so that they're not going to be liable in an American courtroom when somebody gets sick and decides to sue their employer. So this is something that's going to go on. And this is the problem. When you are an overly litigious society like ours, and when you make employers responsible for everything that goes wrong at their firm, right? You, you dramatically raise the risk of being an employer. And I've been railing against this for years, talking about how risky it is that the U.S. government has put a target on every employer's back. And it's a litigation target. And you're just, you know, a wide open. And that's one of the reasons that I say that small businesses, you know, in general, do everything they can to avoid hiring people. Because when you're the employer, you're the villain, right? The employee is the good guy, and you're supposedly the deep pocket. When not all employers have deep pockets, sometimes the pockets are, are empty, and these lawyers can put them out of business. And a lot of these small businesses end up paying legal extortion. They just pay off lawyers uh, not to get sued. So this is going to be a legal feeding fest right? The lawyers are going to be all over every company. There's going to be lots of coronavirus type lawsuits. And so companies have to preemptively insulate themselves by going overboard. And this is also going to ripple through the economy because economic activity is going to grind down. There's going to be a lot less transacting. So that means there's going to be a lot less revenue uh, for businesses. And when you have fewer transactions, you also have less tax revenue for governments. But governments have lots of bills they have to pay. Governments have lots of debt. So when companies aren't getting income because people aren't out there spending, and when people aren't out there spending, uh, sales taxes aren't getting generated, other tax revenues aren't getting generated. So everybody is losing their revenue, but everybody has all these expenses. They have employees that they either have to pay or lay off. They have debts that they either have to pay or default on. So this is just going to compound the problem, making this financial crisis so much worse. And again, it's not just a financial crisis. If it was only going to be a financial crisis, it wouldn't be that bad. The problem is all the years of kicking the can down the road, because we never finished the last financial crisis, this financial crisis is going to finish us because it's going to end as a sovereign debt crisis and as a dollar crisis. And so it's going to take down America's entire standard of living, its way of life. Uh, we have built this economy on the foundation of the dollar being the reserve currency, of being able to live beyond our means and import stuff uh, without exporting, to consume without producing, to borrow without saving. All of that is about to come to an end. It's not going to come to an end tomorrow. This is a process that's going to be evolving, but it's not going to take long. It's going to be a lot quicker than a lot of people think, which again, you got to get your financial house in order, 
right? So you got to go all in, I think, on my strategy, take advantage of the fact that, you know, some of these stocks are going down along with the U.S. market. Even if you have to sell your U.S. stocks uh, when they're well off their highs, that's okay because the foreign stocks have also been coming down. The big difference is the U.S. stocks still have a long way to drop because even though they've fallen, they're still so way overvalued. This is early in the bear market. It's got a long way to drop, whereas the stocks that we're buying overseas were already cheap when they started to fall. A lot of these stocks were already around the same price they were trading at in 2009 and 2010. And so now they're even cheaper. Uh, So you have bargains that have gotten bigger abroad and you just have overpriced stocks that are slightly less overpriced now than they were before. But the bigger thing is going to be the dollar. The dollar index is still near the highs. It's going to come crashing down and make new lows before it does get rid of your dollars and use those dollars to buy assets abroad foreign stocks and to buy gold and gold stocks uh, before the dollar crashes and you can't afford to buy those assets or those stocks.